Welcome to the Eric Schlein Podcast, where personal development platitudes can get the hell out. Completely devoted to ontology, breaking down distinctions of human consciousness as an access to enhancing performance. Here's your host, Eric Schlein. Zach Medina on Zach. How's it going? Doing good, man. Doing good. Can't complain. The only thing I'm a little nervous about is if uh, the snowstorm will shut off our power during this podcast. So, all right. Well, I hope it doesn't. What do you have in the background? What art do you have? Uh, this is. Uh, so you're covering Steve right Jobs' now. head. There you go. We got uh, George Washington over here. So uh, obviously, it's not the real, uh, it's just the reenactment. But uh, mm-hmm. basically, this. Uh, that took place right down the street from where I live. So I'm pretty oh, wow. into that. And then I got Abe Lincoln up there and then up some more. You got some more. You got, uh, you, I don't know if you can see Thomas Edison and whatnot. So it's kind of like okay. my little inspiration wall. I like to look at it every once in a while. All right, cool. And uh, you, do you like Edison over Tesla? <laughs> well, depends. You're going to ask who's the better business, business person or who was the better well, inventor? We, I think we know the answer to both. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Tesla. I feel like it's cool, like Tesla. So the fact that you like Edison, it's like you're like the bad guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, Edison, you know, I feel like Tesla was definitely, this is my opinion, but I felt like Tesla was much more innovative and had a lot of great ideas. He just Mm -hmm. might have gone a little too far and didn't necessarily take the, uh, I'm going to tag off the book that you recommended. It's fresh in my mind, but the Dundo Investor. Oh, cool. I feel like Tesla might have gone a little bit too far and that that was his detriment. But, you know, obviously Thomas Edison is a bit more well known, but. Yeah. Well, maybe a little bit better than the execution department, too. A little bit. Just a bit. Yeah. So what have you been up to lately? Well, it's the last. We had your uh, business partner on as well, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. So now he works on the front end. So now it's his, his slow time. So I'm sure he was much more energetic and whatnot. I'm more, this is the busiest time for my side, which is just making sure our clients are super happy before we enter Christmas time. And, mm-hmm. you know, things basically die out until Jan 7th. Are you like crazy about running like he is? No, Dear I am. God. Uh, <laughs> I tend to be a bit more I'm going to go bike a hundred miles tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have fun. Yeah, no, I, I'm not coming I, with I, you. No, I, I pass on all that kind of stuff. I, I enjoy, I live out in like the farmland area out in Bucks County. So there's so much, I and mean, that's why like history to me is the coolest. Yeah. yeah. I, I love visiting all the cool spots. Cool. It looks very executive, even like your chair and <laughs> very nice setup. You 50 got 50 bucks on uh, Craigslist. So nice. nice. Looks can be deceiving. A- absolutely. Drinking water or vodka? <laughs> I got my water. Okay. There was looks looks can be deceiving. Where I forget what it was. Yeah. 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 There, there was a time when I was in a client meeting. They're like, "Are you drinking beer on our call?" And I was just like, like "No." Just... <laughs> I would have been like, "Well, so what if I am? I want to be chill?" <laughs> just trying are, to relax. Are you stupid enough to think that one beer is going to make me incompetent? 
Do you know what the know. alcoholic percentage is in beer? <laughs> Do you know a no. beer that could get me drunk off one beer? Because if so, <laughs> give it to me. No, I keep it straight with water. And then right. you can tell them from Philly how I say that. Yeah. So what have you been up to? What's new, interesting, exciting? I know Dave was telling me you have some new project you built that is based off of the name of an old project that you had. And you want to say more about that? The coolest thing, this, this actually just came in literally right before we got on. Uh, okay. But uh, we've been dabbling in 3D. And oh. our prediction... So for for wanna... people who don't know, so you do viral ideas marketing. So why don't you give the quick spiel of what you do? Quick 30-second pitch. And I know nothing. Uh, yeah. yeah, viral ideas marketing. Basically, we focus on corporate video production, mainly social media videos for businesses. And mainly B2B as well, not too many B2Cs. And so that's the, that's the heavy end, I would say. And our lighter end, this more, much more scalable end is Flixation, which we're putting out pretty soon. And that basically is, after doing this for five years, we found that people just want to point, click, buy, and get what they want. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what we set up with Flixation. So there are companies, big companies that can have all these strategists and consultants and creative people all in this one video project or one thing. And of course, their video is going to look great and it's going to perform well and yada, yada, yada. So we were like, well, why can't we just do that for the general, the guy who owns a roofing company? He still has to compete on the same platform. It's still Facebook. Right. You know, no matter if it's Johnson & Johnson or, or the cleaning guy, you're still advertising both on Facebook. So how do you guys basically look good? And that's where we're just like, let's pre-build the stuff. So we internally build all, all the videos. They find their niche, they click it, they buy it, and they let us know how they want to want it personalized, you know, and they have a video. So yeah, it's cool. That's been our main focus. But 3D is really where we believe there's definitely gonna be a movement towards, and it's going more into VR and augmented reality and all that good stuff. So we just ended a pretty sick 3D project for an online school. So that's pretty cool. What was the project? So they're trying to find ways. For kids to learn. So they're, they're very innovative. They've been doing online learning for years now, but it's obviously up until this point, hasn't really been that big of a thing. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. He was telling us, you know, he was pitching his investors a year ago, the same idea. And they're like, no, 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 no. But they're finding that like online school doesn't just have to be this, like a Zoom video with your teacher. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to find ways to make it interactive with these students. Well, students, they're, I think it's K through third grade or something like that, or okay. fifth grade. Well, they're already watching, you know, we even grew up on animated videos and things, animated Nickelodeon and stuff. Mm-hmm. So just make it interesting to them. It doesn't have to be this instructor all the time, all stiff and whatnot. And we're talking about ways on how we can take, you know, they came up with this character called Bella mm-hmm. and they're putting her through this whole experience of whatnot. But we're even talking about how can we make that a full experience with VR or augmented reality where these kids are learning, going through games instead of just sitting in front of a camera and listening to a teacher all day. Yeah. So what do you see some of the stuff going to come out of that? For broadly speaking or for this client? For for this client. I mean, like what's a game? Can you give me an example of like a real application to that? Yeah. So what we were talking with them on, and we have a brainstorming meeting every week with our team internally. So we're always kind of come up with cool ideas. And we're just like, wouldn't it be awesome if kids could somehow, and they handle the learning. It's all STEM related, right? Okay. But we're talking about, if they, we can have the kids put Bella's helmet on in a VR experience or putting on Bella's boots 
and doing interesting things, whether that is learning addition, subtraction, I don't know that's more for them, Mm -hmm. but we're able to build those whole experiences, which is going to be the future because we're going to, we're going to be living in this world where it's just all going to be up in here. It's no longer going to be here. I remember when I was a kid and there was a a thing about having computers in the classroom, right? And there were some people that that thought it was a bad idea. You know, they're just going to get distracted and whatever. And I remember in third grade, we had these Macintosh computers and there was this one game where you had to like type and the quicker you type, like the thing moved around. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what it was. It was like some frog or like some thing and you typed and did stuff in a game. And I would literally like be excited to go and be able to play that game. And it got me really damn good at typing, you know, and there there was like, you know, uh, like word cruncher and math muncher or whatever you see. And they were fun to do it. And actually I loved it so much. I had my mom buy it for me to play at home. See, so it's not like the principal. I think that principal has been there and it maybe got lost a little bit along the way. Yeah. And and I think the winners in this, right? Yeah. There's people that say, we're going to go back to normal, yada, yada. At our company, we really believe that we jumped five years into the future, whether we like it or not. Yeah. So we have to think about it that way. Who are going to be the winners? And Dave and I actually were talking about this today. Who are going to be the winners in the next 10 years? If we think about it as in six months, when things start, you know, people are all vaccinated and whatnot, we're going back into in-person and whatnot. Who are going to be the winning businesses? And now in terms of school, it's like, I personally don't think schools are going to be what we thought they, or what they were. You have mm-hmm. a teacher sitting here doing this lesson. They're going I'm, to have right to think of with you, by the way. new right. ways to, to make the kids interested in the lesson. Yeah. Can you see some of these major companies getting involved in schooling like Apple or Amazon, basically starting their own schools? I've thought about that. And what are your, what are your thoughts on that? I think it might be a bit controversial to start their own schools, but what's mm-hmm. the difference if we all worked off Microsoft back in the day? So what's the difference? They essentially created their own software to use in all the schools. It's going to happen with Apple or I don't even want to say Apple. It could be a totally different company that we don't even know of right now. A company that has a curriculum and they have preset games you can use and VR systems and, and you're literally using the platform of whatever company to do that. Something tells me a principal or an administration might be not as fond if they hear that Facebook or Oculus is coming in with a... <laughs> but, all, see, but I feel like all they'd have to do, right? They have a lot of money. They figure out how to work with the bureaucracy. So they get certified. And now all of a sudden you have either, you know, Facebook approved or Amazon approved materials for yep. the school systems, or they say, fuck it, we'll just do it ourselves. YouTube would be, if I was to pick a horse in this, I would say YouTube because they're already, yes, there's some controversy with the kids thing and whatnot, but they already have YouTube for kids. Yeah. And it's not that big of a step for you to bring in instructors to bring, implement games, to Mm -hmm. implement also, they already have a network. They already know what works and what doesn't. They just need to deploy it. Right. They're gigantic network too. It's insane. It is really, really insane <laughs> when you look at the market caps of some of these companies compared to yeah. you know, the rest of the people, the uh, rest of the companies in there. Where do you see is your company playing a role in this new future for education? I believe that, that it'll become democratized in the sense that a lot of people will be able to build things. So I don't think that it's going to be whoever's going to win based on the coolest thing. That I don't think. Mm-hmm. But where you can 
combined computing, so computer with human intelligence and kind yeah. of put them together is where we like to win. It's where we like to come up with the strategies behind certain things, where we like to work with companies to come up with even new ideas. You'd be surprised the amount of companies that are great companies, but get stuck in their own ways because it's just you know the same thing every day. So they need new people to come in and really come up with new stuff that can also implement. Usually there's just the implementers or the strategists. You kind of have to have both. Yeah. So what, what's some other stuff you've implemented that's a little new or off the beaten path? I would say with our clients specifically, mm-hmm. new, it doesn't actually have to be something so crazy as let's say a virtual reality experience. That is definitely a client that is really thinking ahead. But we also really like to deal with the companies that, for example, we have a client that is makes all the tubing and hose for the vaccines. So flu vaccine, this vaccine, there's certain ways where you can innovate within their companies and help them even look newer than their competitors. Because when you look at it, if you are a manufacturing company in the United Mm -hmm. States on social media or even internally, they're not that crazy. They still are using white papers. They're still using PDFs and things like that. So innovating to them may mean literally doing a 3D spec of one of the products that they can then send to a client as opposed to them coming to their office. So for example, this client was like, we want a full tour as well as we're also, they also want to do like some 3D stuff as well of the the facility because there's so many manufacturers coming on now saying, you know, they can do vaccines and tubing, all this other stuff, but they're this little nothing of a shop. So for them to show a 55,000 square foot office or manufacturing plant is huge. And that's innovative, right? Right. And that's because they're just, they're not Facebook. Innovative to them is totally different. Yeah. Interesting. How did you get involved in doing this, you know, and then working with Dave and kind of coming together? What was your story? What was your background? I hope our stories align if we have this podcast, the podcast uh, back to back. But generally speaking, I was developing an app for restaurants at the time. Mm -hmm which Dave and I, or no, sorry, back up. I started a company called Shockwaves Entertainment. So we were a a DJ company specifically for Sweet 16s. I was 16. It was easy to get clients. It was like a match made in heaven. (laughs) Dave was also DJing or had some production company. So we became friends through that. We were still doing that. Then we were in college and I had an app at the time and we were just kind of like bored. And I remember I met up with Dave at Starbucks. I was like, dude, like check out this app. Why don't we go to Silicon Valley? And he's like, you know, Davey's just like, oh, sure, we'll go anywhere. So we jump on a plane, go to go to the Silicon Valley. We end up at this like random meetup, met all these cool people. And we came back with like a client and then another client we got. And eventually we got this one client to give us like $3,000 up front for some marketing stuff. And we used that, did a great job and just build it one after another until we realized that we're probably best at the video and strategy portion than just like the social media marketing as a, as a whole. So we just focused down and that's where we've been most successful with than anything. Say a little bit more about this restaurant. I'm, you know, Dave mentioned it. Looking back. He said he thought it'd be successful if you guys had done it. I don't know because it's really unfortunate right now with what restaurants are going. We're still, you know, a small business technically. And, and we're just fortunate to not have to have a storefront, not to have tons of product on hand. Like we're very lean. So I feel for those. It kills me to see what's going on. And basically it was a way for restaurants to showcase a trailer of their restaurant with food. So think of it as like Tinder 
but with video and just food photos so that you were able to swipe and kind of see visually. I've always been a guy that I hate reading menus. Menus mm -hmm. do nothing for me. Like what, yeah. what good is seeing on a menu of everything written out? Will you just rather see it? Yeah. And the biggest struggle, even today, you notice a lot of restaurants don't do this, is because they're too busy working on their restaurant. They don't have time to perfectly get their food together, take a photo. And you're like, oh, it's simple. Just take a photo. It's a lot harder than you would think versus another company. It may be easy for them to do that. They're very busy. And this would show up on the menus themselves or online or? The whole intention was to create a video, essentially a video library of all the local restaurants where they would show, I think it was up to like, it was 22 seconds, I believe it was, it had max. So you could fit up to about, let's call it eight photos, two seconds, either, you know, give or take. And then you would just be able to visually see what they had versus like what, what gets me, which is I wish more, more restaurants would do this. It's like the best way, in my opinion, to get more people to your restaurant is to put out specials on Facebook every single day. Hmm. Because a restaurant, you go on Yelp, right? And they, mm -hmm. get killed, they get killed by Yelp. But restaurants go on Yelp. Well, you type in Italian restaurant. Well, they, they all seem the same. And no one is diving in deep to go into their menus to look at a specific burger that they throw up a photo. Say and it's also messy. The, the menus are messy on Yelp too. It's one person. You I stopped, I actually stopped using, I stopped using it. Yeah. I, I use Grubhub over Yelp it, for that. It is literally easier to go on Grubhub <laughs> to look at people's menus than it is to actually go to their website. And restaurants, they just don't have the time and resources to put towards it. And it kills me to say, it, it's just like... Or some have you download a PDF of their menu on the website. It's like, come on, really? It's like a link to like a Google Drive. And you're yeah. like, what? Like what? No, like just put it on Facebook, boost the post to a five mile radius and you're going to get business. It's not... Unfortunately, I learned the hard way. I build it before talking to people. So my mm -hmm. recommendation for anybody would be literally, if you want to make a, an app for a restaurant, go work in the restaurant industry for like a year and actually see how it is. Cause it's, it's not what we think it is. Hmm. Say more about that. <laughs> I would say this would be my biggest learning lesson. One of the bigger lessons is I was very much about, Oh, I have this idea. I think it's right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to build it. I have the resources I put in. I think it was like, I think I spent like 15 grand on this, right? To build out, which is pretty inexpensive for an app. Build it out. To me, it was perfect. I go up to a few restaurants and they're just like, yeah, but like, did you ever consider the fact that like, we're not going to sit? What do you think my chef is going to sit while he's making, he's under pressure to get this out about someone that their steak isn't right or whatever to go take a photo for you guys? And then the other thing was, you expect me to make all this product? I was like, oh, well, just make the product on like a Sunday. Well, then I'm going to waste all this product. You know, they work on slim margins. So yeah. like definitely <laughs> talk to the audience <laughs> or work in the field before you build it is what I learned. <laughs> Don't just assume. <laughs> Interesting. That was a rough, uh, yeah, that was rough to swallow. You didn't make that mistake again, did you? Mm -mm. Dave and I are, are polar opposites with this. Dave's like, pitch the people before it's already made. I'm like, make it to the fullest extent before you pitch it. So when you kind of combine the two, you get like a happy medium. <laughs> yeah. How else are you guys different and complement each other? Dave and I? Mm -hmm. I'll say we're very much alike is we definitely are all in and we don't need to 
we, we were friends before this, so we don't need to kind of like question, you know, a lot of business partners have issues with like, what are they, and we right. live together. Like we're, we're in this for the long haul, but where we're yeah. different is Dave is much more jovial. Dave is much better with people. He can call people. I personally, I don't like talking on the phone. That shocks me. Um, yeah. I'm much more as odd as it sounds. I'm yeah. I forget what the INTF, whatever. I'm much more introverted. I prefer alone time. I prefer being by myself. I prefer just sitting in my little hole and doing, you know, tinkering all day. Yeah. Really. Whereas Dave would rather be with a network of people. And where it benefits us is riding a hundred miles with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be like, oh, be like, oh just call me. And I'll, I'll call him. And he's like, why are you talking to me on your bike? No, <laughs> it's dangerous. I've had calls with him where it's like a zoom call and I'm like, what are you doing right now? And he's like, his shirt's off and he's like on a, on, you know, on an exercise bike. He's like, I'll just get on my workout. I'm like, dude, you can call me after it's, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, you try living with that. That was rough. It sounded like a, uh, a dishwashing machine times 10, like above you. And you're just like, guess what time it is? <laughs> Nine o'clock bike ride in the, in the, at night. We work really well because Dave was able to go out there, wasn't afraid to go to networking events, talking to people, networking. He loves it. Dave hates, 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 hates implementing. Dave is great at selling the thing, but then he'll bring it back and won't do it. Like, I shouldn't say can't, but it's much more beneficial if I were to do it. And then vice versa. If I go to a networking event, I've gone to many where I've wanted to leave, you know, before I even got there because I just hate that environment. Yeah. my preference definitely polar opposites though but but work well when we combine our strengths which was i think difficult to find out at first yeah um, but once we got it we were good so what's like your day-to-day workload like fortunately this year we've been able to bring someone on to handle a lot of the day-to-day stuff of project management which has been mm-hmm. a huge help on my end so i've been able to really take a step back and look more holistically at the business yeah and that's what we found is like when you get too in deep and you're worrying about the latest email in your inbox, you're just sitting there answering emails all day. And for sales, you kind of have to do it. But for like product development or even marketing, you got to actually sit back and think. And that's where I do a lot of my work is I'll work with clients a lot of the time, but also more, more recently, it's really just trying to push. How do we push flexation out there more and innovate with flexation without getting too stuck in the rut? I just want to focus every day on that for the long haul. I want to go back to um, virtual reality, augmented reality. How did you even learn about that and how to do it? And it seems like it's somewhat of a different skill set than what you were doing before, or not really. An interesting fact that a lot of people don't know is let's, let's use this 3D example. Mm-hmm. I don't want to undermine, so I don't want my guys to get mad at me or whatever, but. Yep. It's not that complicated to go from a 3D video to a VR experience. It actually deals more with the computing power. You need heavy duty resources to do stuff like this. And it's why people like Pixar, look at what they invested back in the day. It takes, I think it's, they pay close to $6,000 a second for six or $8,000 a second for animation for their 3D. It's a lot of the hands-on labor, but it's a lot of the computing power. And that's where... Fortunately, as we get better computers, we're going to get better experiences. And that's why I think this is going to be such a thing of the past that this will almost look like a dinosaur to our future kids or whatever. You know, right. it's, it's going to be so, you use this? Like, what, what? 
how, how, long do you, how long do you think we get until VR is indistinguishable from reality? Who's to say we're not in it already? <laughs> I will, we might be, but in terms, of, in terms of when we're developing that ourselves. I don't think there is going to be a quick start or end. Okay. It's going to happen gradually. And if you look at how society works, it's like beating a dead horse. But Apple, they do a great job. Google put in Google Glass, right? In what, 2010, I think it was, something like that. Mm -hmm. Why did that not hit? Well, timing was really, really, really off. You and I walk into a store, you know, we we may be in the tech stuff and whatnot. And I I was about ready to get it. It was like 1200 bucks. You walk in, they're like, it looks weird. Like you look look like like a a robot. Yeah. Yeah. But, I'm a bionicle nerd. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what you look like, like a but total it's freak. Bad, it's just bad timing. But, yeah. you know, we're, we were at South by Southwest two years ago, and we're at the Bose, the headphone booth, and they're like, put these on. And I was like, holy shit. They're just regular sunglasses. Mm-hmm. But through here is the microphone. And Amazon, I think, just came out with these too. So you can literally wear sunglasses and listen to music. Well, where do you huh. think that's going? So you see that you see the subtle, subtle transition. Yeah. So I don't think there's going to be like, oh, we're in this whole like different world. We're not even going to like really know it because it's going to become so normalized. It's going to be like, yeah, it's, what do you mean? You don't wear your those glasses. That's how you connect with everybody else. What do you mean? Right. It's like not having a body part or something. <laughs> Seriously. No, but I'm, like, I'm, I'm, it's I'm, not. <laughs> it's like, why would you open your eyes? Why would you keep your eyes closed all the time? Don't you want to see? The scariest thing to me is, is not all that. It's, I just, I went blind on the name, but they just came out with a way to, they just won uh, some big award mm-hmm. to cut into, and I'm not, I'm not a medical person, so I don't understand this too much. <laughs> More on the business marketing side. Yeah. They can actually cut into your genetic code. Oh, like with CRISPR. CRISPR, yeah, yeah. exactly. That to me is scarier than your glasses or all technology. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll tell you why this doesn't scare me. <laughs> is I think CRISPR, like the fear you experience about CRISPR is the fear that people experienced around the printing press or computers or email or any of these new technologies where there's always a way to abuse it, right? Of course. And when there's the unknown, right, our brains are wired for survival. So our brains always go to the worst case scenarios. So you think CRISPR and you think of all these horrible fucked up things that could happen with CRISPR and then AI and they start editing themselves and they're all kinds of crazy shit. But generally, when there's a new technology, it makes our lives substantially better. And there's still going to be some people that abuse it. And there's regulatory systems that come about either through you know voluntary interaction or through the court systems or whatever that help to not get rid of it, but mitigate some of that. Right. I mean, look, even like people when the like cryptocurrencies, right? You know, like the big thing is, oh well. So I create money laundering. It's like, well, that happens anyway. Like uh, <laughs> it'll be slightly, slightly easier. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but it's like criminals will figure out a way to money launder, whether it's with Bitcoin or US dollars or pesos. Like it's a stupid argument. So I'm not worried about CRISPR. I think that overall, I mean, if you think about the amazing things it can do with disease and right, oh, who the hell knows what I mean, there's probably use cases for in 20 years that you can't even imagine. Right. Now. Right. Exactly. Like I can, I can alter your genes so that your body can work with this technology. It's going to be something so that you and I, and even probably the smartest people in the world can even think of right now. Yeah. Have, again, you read any, have you read any, have you read any Ray Kurzweil? No. 
Really? That surprises me. He's like the guy, he's like the chief engineer at Google. He's like a futurist and he's like, he invents things okay. before like the technology exists to have the parts for it. And he's like model that technology. And I think he says like in 2029 or something like that, we're going to have like a technological singularity where the rate of technological growth gets so fast, you can't measure it anymore. It'll be the first time in, in human history where we have to start evolving to machines as opposed to machines evolving to us. So he talks about things like, you know, virtual reality systems that are undistinguishable from reality. You know, he'll say that the first person to live to like, you know, 900 years old has already been born. And he talks about how there'll be someday where you can literally upload yourself to the cloud and like, you don't even have to be confined to your body anymore. Like it's, he talks about some shit where like on the surface, it comes off as like, he's a fucking crazy lunatic. Right? I love it though. I love but, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's like this guy's fucking like the head engineer of Google. Like he's not a dumb, <laughs> he's not an idiot. And he's been <laughs> right about like 70% of the things he's thought of. So it's like, yeah, even if he's not gonna be hundred percent correct on everything, he, he's talking about some really interesting shit. I've never been one to be afraid of that stuff. Yeah. Where I get nervous is I know it's a global economy and whatnot, but obviously, you know, we're in the United States. I want to make sure the United States is on top most of the time, like winning at innovation and things like that. So mm-hmm. What I get nervous about is not necessarily internal. It's what threats does it pose against us when, you know, just like nuclear war and things like that. Like mm-hmm. once that's out, it just spreads. So like, how can that be used against the U.S. is actually where I look at it. And that's where things get, we, we can put up laws all we want, but sure. if someone else wants to use it against us, that's where it gets a little tricky. Yeah, that's true. I'm excited for that kind of stuff. To me, that's, you, that's way so interesting. Yeah. You were talking about how the technology between going to VR from regulars is just better computing power. But what about the design factor, right? So it's like, you know, you're saying, well, we can help create games and how do you put something on that person's, you know, virtual hat or whatever, virtual boots put on. That to me is a different skill set than I'm going to make a video for somebody and I know how to do lighting and write a script. Yeah. I mean, uh, it seems like completely different skill sets. I mean, this is why when you say this, I'm a little shocked and it's like, what else can you do? doesn't seem like a natural leap to me well like don't you need to know how to like do coding and like game design and and like there's all these other skill sets it seems like graphic design like do you have these people working for you like what do you how do, how do you know how to do this shit this is what i'm trying to get at yeah so you say it very casually well we took this new client we're doing virtual reality <laughs> stuff for like education it's like how did you know to do that you've been making videos for people I guess this is where going back to like our strengths and whatnot, I like to live out in the future. To, to me, what we're here is kind of like in the past. Like, let's get, let's keep yeah. innovating. So that's where we probably even have to do a better job at like positioning ourselves or branding ourselves. Cause we just say, oh, video marketing. People think like you said, oh, script writing, sound guys, some like lighting. Oh, even whatever. when Dave's talking about it, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. And that's a portion of the business. Mm-hmm. But with any business that wants to survive, not to get too off track, but I, I'm pulling this from my mentor mm-hmm. and he calls it product, product beats. Now we're not necessarily a product, but think about it. A product beat is the iPhone one starts here. And then you basically need to cannibalize yourself mm-hmm. before competition does. And that's, mm-hmm. that's how businesses win. You don't just sit. It used to be in the old, you know, back in the day, you would come up with some great thing and it would just sit and you would ride that out for mm-hmm. as long as you could. Now, there's a eight year old that's probably, that could probably create something way cooler than what Google can, but Google's just fortunate because they have all the resources and whatnot. And that's the competition you have to even look at beyond just the other people that you yeah. can think of. 
what I'm going back to this is, yes, we started out cameras, lighting, yada, yada, yada. But we're constantly needing to think about how to cannibalize ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what happens when people can start filming here? Right. Which they already can, but there's still a lot of limitations. Like going back to like the restaurants. That- I, I don't know. I haven't seen like other than like professional studios. I can't remember the last time I've seen in the last three years. I've seen one person actually holding a video camera. Yeah. So there's a perfect point. So we started viral ideas. We saw like, hmm, there's people, you know, we see the phones coming out. We see a lot of people doing videos and whatnot, create a service where send us your footage. We'll edit it. You get back a video. People love that. All right, let's, let's bump it up a notch. We already made the video for you. Boom. Even better. Where I think things will eventually go in terms of the video world is and design and whatnot. You're going to have people physically making assets in the back end. What do you mean by Put, that? So a 3D boat, for example, a 3D clock, uh, something for VR. You're going to put it into the machine. And eventually a business is going to be able to say, hey, Alexa, create me a video for our company with some boats and yada, yada, yada. You're going to get that to your inbox. The computer will be able to put all the assets together. What the computer has a hard time doing is actually coming up with new, what we call creative, new creative assets. Mm -hmm. And you need that to fill into the system to get an output. So right now we kind of all manual, it's all hands-on drawing, whatnot. But think of when you're able to democratize this and there's tons of 3D people out there that are able to put this into a machine that you're able to then talk to the machine and get an output. That's a great world. Yeah. But us as a business, that's what we're thinking about. We're not just thinking about how to make... I was listening to an interview with Ray Kurzweil, actually, kind of on this topic. And it was on creativity. You know, and the, the fear was that AI is going to kill creativity. And what Ray Kurzweil was saying is actually, no, it's the opposite. If you can have an AI machine write a song that is so beautiful and it's the most, it's the most wonderful song that's ever been written on any topic that you want or a poem... And it moves you to tears and it's the, considered the greatest poem of all time. And it taps into that and it's figured out algorithms. What's the difference between that and creativity at that point? He goes, right now, computers can't do that. And it's just auto-generated things. And it comes out a little wonky. And it's like, okay, this, right. is, we, this is a computer that did it. But at some point, computers will be able to do creative acts better than human beings. Yep. Or you could even say that human beings can use computers as tools to be more creative than they could on their, with their own brains. Or we That's, install a thing into our brain to have our brains work even more creatively. That's a good thing. Exactly. I, I don't want to come off all like pro-computer. That's not my stance. My stance is how do you take what humans are great at mm-hmm combine that with a computer? Well, I mean, I think that's the case for AI is like AI is our partner, is not our competition. Exactly. If you look at the brain, it has a certain capacity and certain yep. storage and all that, right? It comes off as really big to us, right? But like, think of an ant. I'm sure an ant in their world, that's the biggest they know. So an ant's world is as big as you get, yep. right? But if you try to talk about calculus to an ant, it's so far beyond anything their brain comprehend. Like, what does that even look like in, in the ant experience? I've always wondered, what is the equivalent of what we're an ant to, and you try to talk to us about calculus, what does that look like? Well, we need something else besides our human brain to contemplate that. And to think that the human brain is the peak of you know, understanding your existence is as stupid to me 
as an ant's brain is the peak to an ant. Exactly. And that's why I don't sit here. I'm not, a, I think the last thing you need to be is afraid of what's to come or all that stuff. Yeah. If you're able to really look at it and be like, how can I take what we're good at? You know, yeah. we, we have, like you said, and then combine that with a computer, you're going to get great results. As I think you to get better than great. I mean, I think you get results that are so profound to the point. Imagine trying to explain to a caveman what a, like, what, a, what the internet is. Right? They don't even know what a computer is. They don't even know what a light bulb is. And you're explaining, right? The fact that the, my keyboard has lights coming out of it would be just that itself would be like this grand revelation. And yep. you've carved perfect circles and it's magical to a caveman. So it's like whatever that gap is, right? And with technology growing exponentially, the gap between human beings now and what AI could be is even greater than that by so many exponential fold. It's insane. Have you ever seen the GDP charts that like from like the year zero to the year 2020, you ever see those? No. When you use exponential growth and you zoom out, it almost looks like a flat line, you know, almost flat from the year zero to the year like 1500. And then it just goes like straight up, right? So there's more technological innovation that happens in the past six months than there was from the year zero to the year a thousand. And like, that's very hard for some people to contemplate. So it's like, imagine if there's more technological innovation that we've had from the year zero to now, but that happens in three seconds. And every three seconds, there's more innovation than from zero to 2020. What the fuck does that look like? The answer is you can't answer that. The human brain can't, can't comprehend. We, no, we, we can't. But I guess what would scare me actually against what is to come is what we're not doing now. Mm-hmm. And I, I get scared that we're not innovating enough. Sure, we have, you know, we can, oh, we have all this stuff. But if you actually go into your point mm-hmm. about like years ago, Look at charts of what they thought we would have in 2020. Like, like yeah. actually look at what they thought. And of course, you know, to them. Isn't, isn't it always like that though? Yeah, but we can do so much more in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. We, have you, we did, you, did you ever read um, Zero to One by Peter Thiel? Oh my God. That, that was my, Peter Thiel, right? Yeah. My favorite book of all time. Is my it really? Because uh, he, he I, talks about this, that we're not innovating enough in that, in that regard. Really, I read it every few years. I've, I've been reading it since it came out. But yeah, I just feel like we have so much potential. Yeah. And instead, we get worried about what's going on in the inside. And we're not really looking at the future. It'd be like in, a business, in the business world, businesses collapse sometimes. You probably know this more than I do. But like by the internal politics of things. You know, let's say yeah, Dave and I, sure. Dave and I were, you know, yelling and screaming at each other, you know, F you, this or Instead of like, no, we need to do a better job to innovate for us, innovate for our clients, innovate so everybody else has still as a job. Like that's what we need to be thinking about. And that's Versus reacting to everyone else. Yeah, it's like how much like we're competing. The United States, we're competing as a whole against other nations. And I think there's less in some ways, there's less hunger for creativity. It's like if you have a video studio, it's like, well, how can we make our lighting even better? As opposed to how can we do 3D? Like you're asking, it's like people are asking the wrong questions sometimes. Or we're getting technology and yeah, I'm, I'm just bashing on it. I don't want this to come back at me, but you know, people will sit and they'll watch Netflix for, and there, there's some good stuff on Netflix. Look at this. Yeah. But to your point, we have so much potential when we combine it, combine AI with our brains. And instead we're sitting and watching, you know, a cat video on YouTube and it's just like, 
come on guys we gotta yeah. we gotta do better <laughs> right i know i know <laughs> but it's so easy it's like oh but just you know go in here and watch the netflix yeah all right cool well any other things you want to share uh you talked a lot about your projects and what you're up to that's about it all right cool man well anyway it was uh, it was great to have you on and you know wish you the best with this all the new venture and the new contract and virtual reality stuff and <laughs> Sure. I'm sure you'll I'll hear more about it at some point. Definitely, man. All right, cool. Have a good one. Well, I appreciate man. you having me on this. Yeah, yeah, of course. This is fun. Yeah. All right. Take it easy. Can't you get us out of here? Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, we shine podcast.